Christy Knight. Welcome to the Data Hub. I'm Karen Titano. Uh, we're off to a little late start, and you've got a little uh, view in the past with a retro program. Uh, but we're, uh, we're off and running. Um, up at the uh, SEF, the 7 o'clock evening news, we'll have with us uh, Teresa Ariola and her crew from the Guam Behavior and Wellness Center. And we'll discuss the activities they're doing for uh, Mental Health Awareness Month here on Guam. Mental Health Awareness Month is actually a national commemoration and uh, done across the country. Um, we're midway through uh, celebrating Mental Health Awareness Month on Guam. And, and, um, and, one of the, and there's always some activities that have been happening here, including on, on, on um, uh, upcoming on uh, May 14th is they're scheduled for a green uh, kite festival. But so far, they've had a, uh, a stress management training on May 8th and May 11th. And uh, uh, they're, tomorrow, they're going to have a, uh, the lunch hour with peace uh, seeing through the stigma from uh, 12 to 4 at 1.30 p.m. Uh, and uh, Teresa earlier and her crew, when we get on, get on the program, we'll be able to discuss at length uh, the other activities they have planned for later this month. And also um, the uh, issues regarding uh, uh, mental health and the programs available for them, uh, particularly uh, in, this, um, as, um, in this COVID-19 era. Uh, it's, uh, mental health has been often referred to as the second wave of COVID-19 uh, because of the um, a spike in mental health uh, uh, challenges that have occurred as a consequence of not only anxiety about the disease, but isolations during lockdown, um, stress from unemployment, uh, and other concerns. And uh, I, I've had Teresa Arley on the program in, uh, in previous ones, and they, she's noted a spike in the demand for the services of, uh, of uh, her department. And so she'll be here after the uh, 7 o'clock news to uh, discuss that. Um, in future programs, we'll, we'll have on the staff um, from, the, uh, uh, Guam, uh, from the Bureau of Statistics and Plans uh, to discuss the release of the uh, newest edition of the Annual Statistical Yearbook. This is a yearbook that has an array of data um, on the community and statistics, including uh, population and demographic data, trade data, and a number of things. Um, you can find uh, past editions of the Statistical Yearbook posted on the, uh, on the Bureau's website. Uh, and the new one should be out in the next uh, couple of weeks, and then when, we, uh, uh, when it is available, we'll have uh, the staff help compile that together, Monica Guerrero and her crew, and then we'll be able to uh, discuss at length uh, what uh, information is in there um, as well. Uh, one of the challenges that uh, I know uh, my agency had this uh, uh, today, and as a number of others, uh, had to do with the uh, internet outage as uh, of uh, through much of the government of Guam, and indeed um, um, some uh, uh, many villages as well, including uh, mine up in Nimitz Hill. And uh, the uh, uh, the Guam Power Authority has this late this afternoon issued a statement on this. And it says, um, uh, GPA crews were performing vegetation trimming and clearing. We, I, I have put in context here, previous news reports said the, the outage was due to a docomo uh, fiber optic cable being uh, cut by, uh, 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 by GPA crews. And so in response, GPA has issued a statement late this afternoon saying, GPA crews were performing vegetation trimming and clearing in the area of Agatna on the hill adjacent to the Agana McDonald's using a side mower. As, at standard, as standard procedure, GPA operators completed a walk-through th inspection of the area prior to their work. No pedestals or boxes were found in this area, and the crews proceeded with their work. At 12.25 p.m., Docomo Pacific contacted GPA about a fiber cut in the area. Quote, it appears that the fiber cable was not protected in a pedestal or box uh, um, 
exposed to the environment, end quote, stated GPA General Manager John M. Benevente. Uh, quote, but all of the facts will be confirmed, end quote, Benevente included. GPA defers questions regarding telecommunication service restoration to Docomo Pacific. Um, so for those of you who've, uh, who've, um, uh, who've uh, has uh, lost uh, uh, internet access either at work or at home, uh, there's that update. And uh, uh, joining us also to discuss other activities that the Bureau of Statistics is, is, is involved in, not only the statistical yearbook, is... Stephen Durking. Stephen, are you there? Stephen, okay. He's queued up and on my screen. So uh, how about now, Stephen? Any luck? Okay. So um, not yet. No, I don't hear hearing anything. I'm sorry for the technical. Uh, I'm sorry. Stephen, yeah, now we can hear you. Thanks, Stephen. And yes. I think on the other line is, uh, is uh, Chelsea Willits. I believe. And Hello. Yeah. Okay, Steve, you're with yeah, us. Yeah, I can't hear you. Steve? Let me call back in. Oh, you can't Hello? hear me. You can't hear me. Okay, that's a problem. I can hear you. Uh, okay, so Steve is going to try and call back again. And if you can kill that line. Thank you. And uh, how about the next caller on? Is uh, you, uh, There's one caller there screened. I believe your name. Um, I'm expecting Chelsea Willits, who is our local uh, a coastal fellow. Uh, just uh, by way of exposition, there, the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration has this program under its coastal uh, management, uh, pro uh, uh, as part of its coastal management program, to offer the services of an academic researcher for two years, for which they will pick up uh, roughly 90% of the cost. Uh, and to get the services of, of, a, of that researcher here is a competitive process, and and Guam competed with um, 36 other uh, coastal jurisdictions across the country um, uh, for those nine slots, and we were able to secure one of those nine slots. And in a round-robin process of interviewing, uh, we secured the services of Chelsea Willits, who is our, our coastal fellow for the next uh, two years, and uh, her project is uh, uh, drawing up the Territorial Seashore Protection Plan, uh, which is important because that will be the uh, basis for... Uh, for regulations and protections and an actual plan for dealing with the uh, with the uh, um, um, with the um, uh, needs of our offshore offshore uh, areas. So I guess we've lost both people online. So no no one yet. So we're, well, hopefully, guys, Stephen and Chelsea, you can please uh, call back. Tyrone, uh, I'm I'm here. Chelsea, you're here. Fantastic. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, what? Welcome to the wonders of live radio. Okay. Yay. <laughs> Yay. So I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I tell you what, um, I tell you what, I was, I was asking Stephen to talk about in November the outreach activities that are ongoing with the Bureau of Statistics and Plans, uh, and, you know, including the upcoming uh, Man, Land, and Sea publication, which we do quarterly. And I believe in there there's an article from you, I think, or is, was that the last one? There is. Um, oh. I wrote one about the Seashore Reserve Plan, which is a project that I've been working on, oh. and also I co-wrote the article um, concerning Guam Sustainable Cultures Guinean Igualo um, project. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, since you uh, wrote the article on the Territorial Seashore Protection Plan, perhaps you could give people a preview to the article to come when Manland and Sea gets published. Uh, uh, I think it's scheduled for um, for latest later this month. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm sort of Chelsea killing time until Stephen gets back on the line, you know, and so giving the opportunity to um, educate the public as to the work you do, and uh, and how fortunate we are to have your services for two years, 
uh, you know. And by the way, folks, one of the it, it, it's a process where um, the uh, the uh, potential coastal fellows and the uh, and the people hosting the coastal fellows it's it's a uh, it's a matter of meeting of the minds here. And one of the things that impressed. Um, uh, the Guam team uh, as we interviewing the applicants is that by by far Chelsea had the most um, um, uh, enthusiasm for coming to Guam so that was a big factor in her favor and she's been a great addition to uh, to the team here so Chelsea just a brief description of what's happening with the um, uh, Territorial Seashore Protection Plan and, and where you are in that project just a brief update yeah sure thanks so much for the introduction Tyron so yeah, the Seashore Reserve Plan, well the Seashore Reserve in general is a reserve that was created by statute in 1974, um, if you didn't already know, mm -hmm. and it consists of the coastline of the entire island, and it excludes some places such as like the military lands as well as the um, Cabras Island, because that's under the jurisdiction of the Port Authority of Guam. Mm -hmm. um, but in general, it's the coastline, the Seashore Reserve is the coastline of the entire island. And while it has that name, the Seashore Reserve, you know, it means so much more to me, to you, I imagine, as well as to the rest of the community here in Guam, because Guam, it being such a, it being a small island community with such intrinsic ties to both the land and the sea, you know, that coastal area has such profound connection and significance to the people of Guam, both today and previously. And so with the Seashore Reserve Plan, you know, in the law, it kind of states what we, we need to gather in terms of, of, of comprehensive study and then also developing the rules and regulations in terms of the Seashore Reserve um, and then guide, that will guide uh, future development and management and conservation practices in the future. Um, so thus far, uh, we've done quite a bit of outreach and um, gathering of baseline data and information all in regards to the seashore reserve and its many components and it's been quite an extensive process i didn't i don't think i ever imagined at the beginning that it would take such a long time to collect all this information um and then 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 also write it out into um, a comprehensive study that is legible by you know like everyone and so um we're getting down to the point where we have that comprehensive study almost finished and um, it's really been a great and exciting process thus far and then some of the outreach we've done is uh, I wrote um, an article for Guam PDN and then we have done some stuff with the uh, man land and sea and uh, we also worked on a video with PBS Guam to kind of showcase the seashore reserve and kind of what it has meant in the past to previous generations and what we and, have and to do, place, and I'm sure, and, and Chelsea, you place in a cultural context okay. with the interviews with Michael Bavacqua and uh, and uh, uh, people at the Guam Preservation Trust. Yes, yes, we um, spoke with Dr. Michael Bavacqua as well as uh, Mr. Joe Kinata from the Guam Preservation right. Trust, and it was really um, interesting hearing their um, opinions and thoughts and. Um, their knowledge about the seashore reserve and what has meant to previous generations as well as generations today. Okay. Before we get into that, I think we have Stephen Durking back. So, is it possible we can get him on the line? If um, if it's can we get Stephen Durking on the line? I see it's it's on the display here. Stephen, are you there? Oh no, we have another dial tone. Okay. Okay. So okay. So we Chelsea, you're still with us, right? No? Okay. Is there anybody with us on the line? 
Is there, okay, uh, all right. Uh, who's the third person screen there? Hello? Hi, Tyrone, this is Steven. Steven, okay, you're back. Fantastic. I'm back. Okay, and just as, we, just, as, just as we lost Chelsea, who was talking about the fine video which uh, she produced, and uh, I asked you to uh, call in just to give the public a rundown on the many sort of um, uh, outreach projects that are being done on the coastal uh, management program. One is is um, is Chelsea's uh, extensive uh, video, including interviews with Dr. Michael Vivacqua and and staff from the Guam Preservation Trust. Uh, that's in its final stages. When when is it? When do you think it will be able to be released to the public? I, I think we're thinking about releasing that in the next week or so. So okay. I think we, we pretty much got it covered. I, I, uh, it turned out to be a very good piece, a very good project. And, um, and it's actually the first of uh, of series of, of uh, videos that we're working on with the uh, Seashore Reserve. Uh, Chelsea's probably going to outline a little bit more on their project and their ideas, but I think for the most part, uh, the first one is done, and it's a more of a cultural aspect mm -hmm. of uh, the Seashore. Okay. Did we lose? Did we? Oh, we've lost Stephen. Okay. So. Yes. Do we have any? Oh, they, all my screens is offline, but people are ringing in. Okay, so uh, among the things I wanted to discuss with Stephen is the Man, Land, and Sea, which is a quarterly uh, uh, publication coming out of the Guam Coastal Management Program, uh, featuring a number of articles dealing with our environment and the conservation of our resources, and that's uh, scheduled also to be out in the next uh, in the uh, in the next few weeks. Um, that will be uh, uh, available not only in the bureau's offices, but uh, uh, we in a number of public spaces, including some uh, government agencies that are frequent with high traffic, and uh, would be and a um, a copy will also be available online on the bureau's uh, website, so people can access it uh, uh, then. So, uh, as my two guests try to get back online, and uh, I can see the efforts from the uh, screen of the people ring in. So the first one who gets gets in, if they can like, um, uh, okay, who's there? <laughs> it's Chelsea. Okay, you know we're we're bringing a nice round robin here, where I get you on the air and then I lose you, and then just in that moment, Steve Durkin's on the air. Then as I lose him, I get you back. So, so this thing is working. And we were talking about your um, uh, uh, the number of the video productions uh, produced. You have one, you starting the first one, which should be ready in the next couple weeks. Uh, what other future video um, uh, outreach efforts are you are you considering or envisioning uh, possibly doing over the next year? Okay, so um, as Steve stated, you know the pre the the video that we made already with uh, PBS Guam is kind of documenting the cultural significance of mm -hmm. previous generations as well as I guess more or less current as well. But um, really, what I want to do forward is is kind of gain a a better idea of what the seashore means to people today. And I actually wrote um, a short article today that's going to be published on Guam PDM that has a survey link to it um, for people to fill out and kind of outline and describe what the seashore means to them and how they relate to it, if they do. And, um, you know, I even started asking people while I was at the coffee shop today, I was like, hey, do you guys ever think about like what the seashore means to you? And some of the answers I got were like, you know, it's my place to escape or it's uh, a place I go to kind of relax and reflect and kind of, um, and also for recreation. And then a friend of mine said it feels like home to her. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I resonate with all of those and I'm not sure. You know what, um, Tyrone, how do you relate to the Seashore Reserve? Do you relate to it? 
Well, uh, I mean, particularly being director of Bureau of Statistics and Plans, I relate to it a lot because uh, I, I have to read a lot of stuff about it here. I, I think as um, uh, the first thing that um, um, comes to mind is that it's a heritage of this community. Mm -hmm. It's one of the defining features of it that translates so much into our life. Uh, mm -hmm. My family has a beach down south. And um, and uh, by, by the way, at some point I will invite you down there. But, you know, we're waiting for certain things to stabilize during um, the COVID-19. So the, we, I, my family's already had this connection uh, to, to the family beach down south, as, as many families have uh, with beach properties, uh, which is so rare actually to have in private hands. Um, mm -hmm. But there, I, and I, I think um, you, you, you sort of, um, uh, it's, it's, in a way, it's sort of a con our connection uh, to the world and mm -hmm. to the larger same, because the horizon sort of beckons one's imagination. And, mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, and the, and the memories, of course, that comes over doing, a, a, a involving the beach. I mean, I remember when Hades Common was passing, me and some friends camped out of the beach and, and in the middle of the night got, got the telescopes to, to, uh, to uh, see, see it here. And it just seemed natural that this is sort of where you would go to try and catch an event like that. Um, you know, I, I, think, um, I think for an island, I think it matters a lot to... Uh, uh, to people's concept of, um, of, of of the world and their place into it. So, it, so this this next production is is going to feature people's opinions or perspectives on it. Uh, is that the idea? Yeah, and we're going to target different um, community sectors. So, one of them being um, government agencies, another them being uh, local organizations such as Humanities Guahan and Guam Preservation Trust. We already spoke with them, but again, you know. Um, and then also targeting areas like the diving community, the fishing community, what the seashore means to them. Mm -hmm. uh, so, sounds like uh, something that's really engaging here. Um, and, and in particular, probably be useful uh, as well uh, for mm -hmm. another project called PBS University, which is developing online mm -hmm. and digital content for high schoolers. Uh, particularly for the upcoming fall semester, and it's probably be, be the basis for it. Now, now we go to the next challenging part of the interview, Chelsea. We have Stephen on the line. I'm going to try to get on the line and see if I can keep you both at the same time. So, you know, roll. let's just, you know, cross your fingers. Let's see what happens. So, Stephen, are you there? Yes, I'm here, Tim. Okay, fantastic. So, you see, heard Chelsea discuss the, the future of the um, uh, other video projects that relate to the Territorial Seashore Plan work she's doing here. What else is the, um, is the uh, can we, uh, probably uh, for the benefit of the listening audience, outline what's on the agenda for the Bureau in terms of video, uh, video projects? Yeah, so in terms of video projects, um, I know we have a lot of a good lineup in terms of uh, social science, but either here for, of course, the uh, students as a resource for the teachers. Um, we have, uh, I think, Romina King, Dr. Romina King, from the, she's going to be doing Life on Books. Life on Guam books. So these are old uh, 1970s books that they're going to revive. In essence, they're taking a University of Guam uh, biology textbook and making it into a video series. That's correct, okay. yes. So that's, that's one of the projects we have. And so there's going to be a series of episodes on those. Uh, we talked to uh, Guam EPA and Conchita uh, with her Zero Waste Guam group. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we're going to be working on projects, um, basically that, that solution to reduce the waste in Guam's landfills, right? Yeah. And, and, and they were so, and they were bringing back to the bureau. There was uh, this Carl Lim and our our, our coral fellow, and she's. Uh, I mean, we, you and I were in a meeting with PBS and talking about producing a, a couple of episodes dealing with seagrasses and mangroves. Seagrasses and mangroves is correct. She, so she's going to talk about the types of the environments of mangroves and seagrasses live in. 
very entertaining pieces. And we also discussed, uh, I believe, with Noah and NWS, some weather edu series mm-hmm. that they're going to provide. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, of course, Chelsea with the Guam Seashore, and then I think the Bureau itself with the Guam Coastal Management is going to work out a couple episodes. Um, yes, hopefully dealing, dealing with issues dealing with erosion and, uh, and flooding. Uh, right. And the science related to that. Um, right. Of course, also, uh, um, as in addition to your work here, Patrick Keeler on the Coral Reef Program is developing a, an, another video presentation for the Coral Reef uh, Guardians of the Reef Program, which happens every year. Uh, that right. program uh, it was normally uh, uh, what happens at that point is we gather a bunch of 10th graders and train them to make presentations to educate third graders on the coral reefs, and then they send them out to the schools. So this year we're sort of uh, uh, doing everything virtually and working with PBS Guam coming up with a, uh, a presentation on coral reefs that would not include uh, presentations uh, by, by the high school students, but in also footage. Um, on remote sites and also underwater footage of our coral reefs, which would be really, really cool. And, uh, and uh, that's, uh, again, part in uh, working with the PBS Guam for PBS University, which is to produce more digital content uh, for access by uh, local private and public school teachers. And, and actually also, once these uh, productions are made, they're going to be posted on the uh, Bureau's uh, YouTube channel. Uh, so people can uh, access them, even though they may not be in high school. Uh, I'm very looking forward and excited to Carol Lim's production here. She's done presentations uh, virtually, um, you know, do Zoom presentations to classes at the University of Guam on both subjects, on mango and seagrasses. And actually, her research project as a coral fellow, uh, again, uh, uh, here on Guam for like two years, is to study uh, uh, mangroves. And uh, we've had her in the program past to sort of talk about it. So uh, in this last two or three minutes uh, before we hit the evening news here, uh, anything else you want to uh, mention or preview from the Manland and Sea publication soon to come? We t- talked about two articles in there by Chelsea. What else is in the Manland and Sea? Yeah, uh, sure. So uh, I just want to tell you, listening audience, to uh, look out for this Friday's insert in the PDN. Uh, it's going to be published on Friday. Uh, we also are going to be posting it on our VSP website as well as our Facebook pages. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, the Guam PDM is going to be posting a copy of a uh, copy on their page. And some of the articles that we're going to feature, of course, is uh, you know last week, last month, the uh, Lieutenant Governor's Task Force, the Admiral Communication Task Force, did a big cleanup, and they collected a lot of uh, 17 tons of trash with over a thousand volunteers. So, very good success. So we have some story on that as well as an updated guidebook to development requirements on Guam. Uh, it's a 236-page guide, um, you know, covering basically uh, the resources of, of how to get uh, established uh, laws, regulations, permits, etc., and how to get through the process a little easier. And so um, with that, we also have another article on the Guam Sustainable Culture, Guam Sustainable Culture Group. That's a nonprofit group, I believe, uh, founded by Michelle Crisostomo and Marilyn Oberino. Mm. Obriano, I think I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. that right. And that's part of Chelsea's group, but she's part of that group. And her mission is to cultivate ideas, strategies, and uh, on environmental sustainability. And, and to promote traditional farming practices and sustainable farming, yeah. I believe, is part of yeah. the goals. Yeah. And so those are some of the articles that are going to be featured in that. So if you get a chance, pick it up or download a copy on one of, the, uh, on our, one of our uh, social media sites. Well, you know, I'm 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 already considering this a, a, a great success at this point because I've managed to keep you both on the air without losing you and hearing and listening to a dial tone. So, Chelsea, you're still with us, right? Still here. Okay. So here's what we'll do. We have like about a minute and a half left before we hit the CBS news, and since um, 
Both Steve and I are in awe of your academic credentials and your, your knowledge base. Uh, I'm going to give you the mic for like the last minute and 15 seconds to impart whatever information or comments you want to give to the listening public regarding your work on the Territorial Seashore Protection Plan. Any last minute things you want to mention about, the plan, about your work? No, I'm just really um, interested and excited to engage more with the public and to hear their opinions and ideas and thoughts about the seashore and how we can protect it as a community for future generations. Chelsea, so, do you want to give us some contact information so people wanted to share their thoughts with you, how they could contact you, perhaps through email or some other source? Sure. Um, yeah, so my email address is my first name, C-H-E-L-S-E-Y dot Willits, W-I-L-L-E-T-T-S, at bsp.guam.gov. And I can give you that information, Tyrone, or you probably have no, it. You no, no, I have it. This is for the benefit of the okay. listening public. So anyway, sure. Chelsea, thank you for joining us, particularly given our technical flaws. Stephen, thank you so much for your patience as well. And uh, well, I'll see you guys in the office tomorrow. All right. Thank okay. you. All right. Thanks, thank guys. Bye-bye. And we're heading out to the CBS Radio News at 7 p.m. See you on the other side. With every step you take. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. We're right there with you. Your talk, your station. News Talk K57. Sariola from the Guam Behavior and Wellness Center to talk about Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, the music you're listening to, for any of you are interested, is is by a band called Fisher Spooner from around the early 2000s, and uh, the song is called Emerge. Uh, in addition to, um, as I said, in future programs we'll have on uh, uh, more staff from the Bureau of Cities and Plants to uh, talk about the uh, new uh, iteration of the annual statistical yearbook, and uh, also. Uh, uh, it, we uh, will have uh, also people talk about environmental and other issues here. Um, you know, I read some um, uh, uh, press releases earlier on the first block, particularly one from uh, GPA as to um, their take on the um, the severing of the Docomo uh, fiber optic cable that caused an internet outage uh, uh, through many government agencies and, and many villages, and uh, their take on it. So while I'm here, I thought I'd, I'd uh, also go to another recent announcement from the um, uh, from the uh, from the governor's office, which I think is of uh, interest to uh, to many people, if, even though they wish to participate, but the implications of it. Um, the uh, governor's education assistance and youth empowerment grant program has been launched, and I'll just read you the statement: The Leongaro Tenoro administration established the governor's education assistance and youth empowerment grant program to fund student engagement opportunities for Guam's public, private, and charter. Uh, school students. This program will maximize the $33 million award to the Education Stabilization Funds 
through the uh, Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, or the otherwise known as the CARES Act. As part of this program, the Guam State Clearinghouse and the Office of Lieutenant Governor Guam is soliciting interest and proposals from educational institutions, government entities, community organizations, and nonprofit organizations to develop programs and activities addressing the learning uh, loss for students along with, with improving their social and emotional well-being. It's been over a year since we've uh, shifted, uh, quote, it's been over a year since we shifted from face-to-face instruction to online learning. While we work to get all our students back to the classroom safely, we cannot ignore the lasting impacts this pandemic has had on their education, end quote, said Governor Lulian Guerrero. And she went on to say these additional funds uh, provide resources and opportunities not only for education recovery but also to help address the overall well-being of students uh, so anyone interested in uh, in uh, submitting uh, proposals um, you can submit them to the uh, uh, the clearinghouse at uh, clearinghouse uh, at guam.gov that's clearinghouse at guam.gov and uh, our submissions can be dropped off at the office of the, of the uh, of the governor's uh, governor's central files office and uh, I got in there from eight to five at Adeloupe here. So uh, in addition to that uh, uh, interesting program happening, we also are uh, celebrating Mental Health Awareness Month and to um, uh, uh, clue us in as to what's happening and uh, and the state of our mental health programs here is Teresa Ariola, head of the Guam Behavior Wellness Center, a busy woman. Therese, thanks for Hi, joining us. Hi, Tyrone. Guam. Good evening, everyone. So I, I was I was um, in the first. Can you one. hear me clearly? Uh, yes, I can. Hi. Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Okay. Okay. Yep. I, I, I just to um, in the first blog I did uh, mention some of the activities uh, that were scheduled here for uh, Guam Behavior uh, um, for uh, Mental Health Awareness Month, and we're halfway through it here. Uh, in addition, uh, you've had a couple of stress management trainings uh, so far this month. That's right. So May is Mental Health Month, and. Uh, we have a lot of um, free events uh, to look for that has happened and to look forward to. And this week, actually, we had um, uh, last Saturday or this past Saturday, and today we had stress management virtual training that was free. Mm. And uh, tomorrow is Wednesday, and uh, this is a regular occurrence every month. Our piece. Our prevention division, known as Peace, mm-hmm. um, is having a lunch hour to talk about the, the theme of this month, which, which is seeing through the stigma. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, 12 noon tomorrow, Wednesday, May 12th. Um, and then you can look forward to Friday. It was postponed from last Friday, the Children's Green, Light, Green Kite festival mm-hmm. that has been moved to this friday because of some weather uh weather warnings that we had last friday thursday mm-hmm. and friday and so it's this friday of uh, the governor's complex and thanks to the governor and lieutenant governor for their support and for hosting um the children's mental health day green kite festival and the first hundred folks will bring their children will get a free kite uh, you're more than welcome to bring your own kite. It doesn't have to be green. Green just happens to be the color of mental health. And um, it's a safe way to bring awareness that even children um, need services for mental uh, disturbances or traumas. And, um, you know, it's a very fun, safe, um, social distance in, in light of COVID place to uh, just have a great time with your kids. So this is this Friday at the Governor's Complex, 
front lawn and yeah. add a loop, um, and that begins at 3.30 in the afternoon. Yeah, to, to, to I believe, 6.30. Now, did I catch that right, uh, Therese? The, the first 100 participants will get a free green kite? Right. The oh. first 100 participants will get a green kite. Well, but you're well, more than welcome to bring your own kite and enjoy the late evening into early evening with your children. The food trucks will be there, mm. so it's a great time to fly a kite, have some dinner in an open space where it's safe. Of course, wear your mask, but because it's a lawn, uh, it's really safe distancing for family. And mm. so, uh, and it's a great time to also just enjoy the lawn and enjoy the weather, and hopefully it will not rain like last week, last uh, Friday. And the food trucks are there, so come on down and support uh, the food truck vendors. And just enjoy a, a, a breezy afternoon near Adelope Shores. Mm-hmm. Um, and bring awareness to Children's Mental Health Month and Children's Mental Health. Um, and then, of course, we roll into Saturday. So this Saturday, we have the traditional Guam Behavioral Health Informational Outreach Fair at Agania Shopping Center. That's free of charge as well from 11 to 3. If you're interested in what Guam Behavioral Health is about, what um, uh, what we're about, what services we offer, whether it's mental health, children's, adolescents, uh, drug or alcohol abuse services that we provide, um, you know, come on down. Our, our staff will be there. They'll be setting up outreach tables, and you'll get to know what Guam Behavioral Health is all about. Um, a well, a wellness fair, basically, yeah, right? Yeah, and so that's just the typical uh, outreach fair. What I'm excited about, Ty, mm. and what I'm encouraging everyone to please come out and support, there's only one event this month that is not free of charge, and that is we are launching the inaugural 2K 5K for Mental Health Month. Wow. Uh, if it wasn't COVID, we'd be having the typical 5K, everyone out there at 6 a.m., but because of COVID and um, we are Guam Behavioral Health and Wellness, so we encourage wellness, fit, fitness. Um, and so we have a 2K, 5K, and you just need to register. Uh, the first 150 participants will get a bag and a T-shirt and all the other goodies that my staff is uh, putting into the bag. Uh, you have a week get your 2k 5k in so you don't need to do you don't need to do it all in one morning ah so um, so it's it's not like a usual 5k where you get everybody no where no. you just do it that morning or that day ah. no you have a week to put in your 2k and 5k you just have to register and there is a small um fee registration fee of 15 dollars. that's mm-hmm. kind of typical what you would pay at a 5K, and um, but the exciting part is it's going to a very, very worthy cause. Um, as you know, we are, um, people may have heard, the Sister Bridget Home, the Foster Children's Home will be opening very soon, and that is to support, um, to support the Sister Bridget Home and their needs. Um, people might think, why is Guam Behavioral Health helping public health CPS division with their foster home. And it's simple. Uh, most of our children in our that receive Guam Behavioral Health Services 
in our children's uh, division, better known as Isha Magonta, um, are CPS kids because they are traumatized and they're going through mental, uh, emotional um, disturb, um, disturbance and emotional trauma. So uh, more than likely, 100% of the CPS kids are, are our clients we're serving as well. And so that's the connection, and we just wanted to partner with um, CPS. And, you know, everybody knows there's a shortage of actual homes. And so it's very important that the Sister Bridget home, I know for a fact because my husband Biz is working on getting that open. So <laughs> kind of. Well, um, it's, it's a good so thing. It's very reassuring to know there's, there's someone on the. DPW pushing everyone to get it open because there is a lack of uh, foster homes out there and uh, this Sister Virgin home is really needed. So that's where the proceeds will go if you support the Law Behavior Health Mental Health Month 2K, 5K. Okay. And so, you know, that kind of wraps things up with one last event on the 29th. Um, of May, and that is um, a light festival, which will take place uh, just down the street from Guam Behavioral Health in Samoing, right across the street from Okapela, the the empty lot there. There'll be a light festival. Again, a very free event for families. Uh, Food trucks will be there, and, um, and it's just a fun event that everyone can enjoy. Um, and so we anticipate to also cut our ribbon for the detox unit. Ah, that, uh, that, may, be the real, that may be the real highlight of this month because I know this is something you've been working hard, hard for the last yeah, couple of years. Yeah, we're busy. Yes. We're really busy. And, and not only Mental Health Month, but we're, we're going up for a recreditation in early June. And my budget hearing is in June. So ah. it's busy. It's busy this month and it's busy preparing for our car for accreditation early next month. And now before we leave this subject uh, too much here, why don't you talk about the detox units and okay. the work that went in to get that open and, and, the, imp- and oh. the implications for the community of having it open? Uh, pardon? Yeah, uh, why don't we, before we leave the subject of it, why don't we go, um, may, perhaps you could expound on the detox unit. They're having that ribbon cutting on May 27th and, and give, a, give the listening owners this idea of the work that went into uh, produce, g- coming to that moment and what the, uh, the value and the import of it uh, is to the community once it's uh, fully completed. Right. So, you know, our, we've been talking about the uh, detox unit at Guam Behavior Health for a couple of years. You know, Governor, uh, when Governor Liu first appointed me as the director of Guam Behavior Health and Wellness Center, uh, that is like literally one of the first charges she, she told me to do. <laughs> Two things, really. Get billing started and um, and uh, get the detox unit open. And so if it wasn't for COVID, detox unit would be open last year. Mm-hmm. But COVID has really slowed things down, slowed government processes of hiring. Um, and so, and just the, the difficulty of hiring the specialty clinicians that we need for the detox unit, it's not just COVID, it's also just, you know, Guam Behavioral Health has a lot of hard to fill positions. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you that I, at least twice a week, I am interviewing off-island uh, professionals 
that uh, we're seriously considering of bringing in only because that's who I think honestly I think they are they're trying to they want to continue the work there's the line of work they're in mm-hmm. but they want a slower pace and probably they're thinking with COVID and where they're from in the big city that's probably Guam is an attract is very attractive to them right um, well, smaller you know. population uh, beautiful island and um and, and so we're twi- at least twice a week. I'm interviewing a nurse practitioner, a psychiatric nurse practitioner. I'm, I'm interviewing psychiatrists. Um, so yeah, I think the phrase is so called. Is um, very, it's called. It's called. Yeah, uh, just a seven and seven. You know, we've been waiting for this, and so uh, it's finally arrived, and we are going to open our detox and so, tell everybody, you know. So, Come running. I will tell you, we're going to start slowly. <laughs> we're going to start slowly. We're, we're going to start with at least four to six beds, and it can grow up to 16 beds. But, so, you know, but but the service is going to begin so, um, Therese, in early June. Therese, let, let's get down to the nitty-gritty. What does a detox unit do, and what does it mean to the community that you're adding this capacity uh, for, I guess, it's inpatient detoxing? Um, yes. Uh, facility. What, what, what is that? What is that? Seven is the level of care, mm-hmm. and so um, w- what that will allow is for um, medically assisted detoxing to happen under the care and supervision in an inpatient unit. And well, so, um, not everyone who uh, there is a criteria to qualify for detox units. And so normally what happens is uh, a severe detox unit, as once they qualify, mm-hmm. they will be go into detox, into the detox unit, and then they'll be, um, they'll first go to the stabilization unit that we currently have today, mm-hmm. a short-term stabilization unit. And then they will go into the medically detox, be transferred into the medically detox unit, at which time they will step down from that to more than likely a residential treatment facility that we have today, which is Lighthouse or Oasis or in the Children and Adolescent Sanctuary. And then from there, they step down to outpatient services. Mm. So these are all levels of care from crisis down to um, outpatient services and maintenance. So I, would, it be, would, it be, would it be fair to say, Therese, here that it, it added a needed capacity to the um, to the uh, uh, your agency's uh, programs, and then in order to more effectively meet what is essentially rising demand. Oh, I, I absolutely. Um, you know, before COVID hit the shores, like I mentioned, this was really, this was a charge that Governor Lou and Lieutenant Governor Joshua. Scenarios that Teresa, so you just need you need to concentrate on getting more services for our uh, you know our residents who are struggling with addiction. I mean that was just made very clear to me on the onset of being appointed. And so um, before COVID hit, we had a pandemic already, and that pandemic was called the drug the, the drug addiction pandemic. And you know we've been struggling this struggling with this, Guam has been struggling with this for over two decades. Hi, you and I were in the mm-hmm. Gutierrez administration, mm-hmm. 
you remember when we had, you know, the ICE uh, task force to drop right. ICE, and we did so much, you know, there was so much work put into that. So the government has been working through the years, and I mean, it's it started in the Guterres administration. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what what is the slogan? I forget, but it was the. I know with customs, I forget. Anyway, it slips my mind. Yes. But, you know, the island has been struggling with with drug addiction for over two decades. And Mm so, you know, here we are, full circle again. <laughs> yeah. So, can I, but can I ask a question then? You know, it is it is uh, been axiomatic that the COVID nineteen pandemic has uh, aggravated mental health challenges um, across yeah. the country. Here, has that it had the same impact? Has it had the same impact to addiction uh, related uh, illnesses? That is an understatement. Ah. Um, um, when when you have folks who are struggling with. Um, with addiction, uh, their problem, you know, addiction of alcohol or drug use is a symptom of a, a more severe underlying situation that, you know, for lack of better terms, they're trying to mask, right? They're, they're in pain. And so uh, what COVID has done with a lot of the isolation and separation and just change of behavior it has uh, caused greater anxiety out in the community. And so many folks uh, deal with anxiety and stresses in life by masking, right? And so um, if they're already struggling with uh, a a drinking or a drug addiction, uh, definitely um, all the struggles and all of them, the difficulties that COVID has given uh, has has brought to our people of Guam has only aggravated it. And so, and then on top of that, those who, um, there's a lot of issues during COVID. You know, people couldn't go out. Uh, Mm -hmm. People probably in in situations in homes. Mm -hmm. You know, some folks may have put, have, have embraced the fact that they're home with their children. And then some folks, the home is not their safe haven, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, some people are stuck. There was a, a great, there's data that shows that during COVID, you know, child abuse, black, uh, spousal abuse uh, was on the rise because you can't go to work, you can't get that reprieve from your abuser. You're stuck at home with them. Mm. And so, um, not to mention anyway, access to services that, like shelters and stuff. All that happened at COVID, yeah. but yeah. definitely um, it has aggravated the drug use and the coping mechanism of what COVID has brought to our people. So I, I so, think I think a, a fair way to not only just with regarding to substance abuse, but with a broad range of mental illnesses, the um, the sort of restrictions oh, yeah. and the and the isolation Depression, from depression, anxiety, but. But Therese, would it be fair a to lot say, of that right? Would it, would it be fair to say that it's sort of a, d- a double whammy in that it not only um, aggravated the things that contribute to uh, whatever the mental health issues, but because of the restrictions on on crowds and access and uh, 
and, and uh, uh, you know, lockdowns, et cetera, here, it's also created barriers to accessing services uh, such as shelters and other things that could help them cope yes, with those challenges. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Guam Behavioral Health wasn't closed, but it was. But we had to modify how do we how do we engage with our consumers? How do we engage with people who are seeking our help? So even that modification was traumatic for some, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, people in the beginning wanted to see a provider face to face. But COVID did not allow us. We needed to do it tele work, and people needed first to get comfortable with that. Um, and then, you know, um, so in the early days, in the first shutdown, when, when the governor first, you know, stay at home order shut down in March of last year, Guam Behavioral Health was one of those essential agencies that continued to serve. Our doors were always open, but very, very modified and very, very uh, careful about social distancing, because at that point, we didn't know what was COVID about, you know? And so, um, and remember, my staff is just like anybody else. They're worried about their, their health, their children's health. Um, and so, um, those were difficult times, but we managed to adapt and we really did engagement a lot. In, um, in the stay-home order, we made sure that our staff called. We did a lot of calls in the first two weeks of COVID when it was a shutdown. But, the, you know, basically stay home, don't drive unless you're essential. Remember those days? Mm-hmm. So yes. um, we engaged a lot. We tried to not lose contact with our consumers by calling them up. Uh, but unfortunately, some consumers didn't have, you know, a lot of our consumers don't have the unlimited plans that right. we are accustomed to. Um, and so there was a lot of adjustments. But we did what we needed to do. We kept calling and calling until we got a hold of them, asking them how they're doing, making sure getting the word out that if they needed to talk to somebody that were still open that their medication can still be picked up, that it was important for them to continue, especially during a heightened time of, of stress. That's the time when you really need to make sure that you continue to take your medication so that can help you um, handle the stress, the, the added stress, the external stress that COVID brought to our residents, to our staff, to our families. You know, I, so I, I, we really tried to engage with them early on when we couldn't really be moving and coming to the center. Between telephones and and telehealth mm-hmm. and getting the crisis hotline number, you know, we talked about the crisis hotline number. Particularly since it's fixed now, when people call the national number, they actually get some help as opposed to uh, dropping off the system. Right. So, um, so a lot of things. And so, you know, again, Mental Health Month is May. We celebrate it. The theme is of uh, seeing through the stigma. It's one thing, you know, COVID has brought uh, great stresses and difficulties in our lives, but it's also brought, uh, brought us a lot of good things, I-, I would say, at least how I see it. Number one, it has forced all of us to think of alternative ways on how to service our consumers. Mm -hmm. Um, In the beginning, uh, if people were just, if 
human service to uh, human service departments like Guam Behavior Health. And we were just like, you know, how do we pilot program telehealth? Well, that just went out the door, and we jumped into the deep end. We just needed to do it. There's no such thing as pilot program. We just did it. And so that really fast-tracked everything. Um, so now today, telecounseling is going to be an option that stays with the department, whether COVID is gone or not. Well, I, I would think also telehealth, and particularly in counseling services, is probably um, convenient uh, to a lot Absolutely. of clients. Absolutely. You know also that, a more you know efficient, that telehealth, efficient the numbers, the data show that folks did not miss their appointments. Well, uh, yes, because it's it's like a phone call. Because and, and you it, couldn't use transportation as an issue anymore. But also, doesn't it uh, lend to a more efficient utilization of your um, of your sparse uh, professional resources? Um, yes, absolutely. And so, so you know, so good things. I mean, and then of course, funding for infrastructure build up uh, was made available by our funders, SAMHSA, um, and uh, you know. This is funding. This is never unprecedented, unprecedented funding coming down the pipe that has never been invested in government departments um, before like this. Particularly, uh, gov so, particularly on, on, on the government of Guam, where a lot of uh, agencies, due to fiscal constraints, have a lot of the services have been um, have atrophied or have been severely stressed. Um, right. You know, I mean, you know, we've been. The government, the government agencies have always been asking, and it's never enough. Mm. But now all this funding is coming down, and it has really been able to upgrade um, our facilities, our infrastructure, you know, Wi-Fi, um, technology. It's, you know, so well, well, so there's some silver linings and some benefits of. COVID. Unfortunately, I would have rather ha not have COVID sure. and lost that, what is it, 139 soul. Right. Um, and, you know, and, you know, and yeah. that's the sad thing about it. But, you know, you know, you know Therese, um, um, one of the, um, there's a number of national studies, and one of the uh, uh, national statistics that stuck up in, in my mind is uh, from last summer, where the four out of 10 adults in the U.S. reported symptoms of anxiety or depressive disorder, which is up from one in 10. Uh, from the rear previously is is that sort of um, a scope mirroring the changes uh, that that you've seen as a consequence of COVID nineteen in terms of uh, mental demand for mental health services? Um, I'm I'm sorry. What, what okay. was in there, there, la last that? last summer? There um, yeah. there were estimated about four in ten adults in the U S reported symptoms of anxiety or depressive disorder. This was up from one out of ten from like the previous year to that you know, uh, 2018 or 2019. So in essence, uh, the statistics say um, they, they actually, said quadrupled. I, I, I need to pull out uh, some stats, but I, I believe in Guam it's even higher. Wow. We've always been, you know, uh, um, I would say six out of ten. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, 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 uh, that, we that's terribly a, we striking. We really had an increase. And, I, and, you know, again, that's the benefit, right? I mean, that's, one of the benefits. I mean, it, it caused us to to be very busy, but that's okay because that's what we're here to do. We get paid to to well, serve. Right. Well, let, um, let me but, uh, let me know, get, let me ask um, this here. Our know. our case volume tripled. Wow. 
during COVID. Our crisis calls went from 25 to 30 a month to at the height 800. Mm. I mean, it's just so... So the good thing about it is our community um, um, is... There's still some stigma out there, but for the most part, um, that has gone to the wayside, and we are our community is uh, knows our crisis hotline number, knows that they're not alone if they're feeling anxious, depression, feeling like they're going to hurt themselves or mm-hmm. others, suicide ideation, or even um, um, you know. That, that they're not alone and that they're able to call our crisis hotline number and talk to a professional that can help them through their difficult times. Uh, because sometimes it's just a conversation. And then, but we always give them an option if they want to have more intensive services, then we can provide an appointment or the process of getting an appointment and actually uh, seeing um, uh getting for a counseling. But very often, many people just need that reassurance and a warm voice and a warm body that can tell them that you're okay, what you're feeling is normal, and then give them some advice on how to uh, you know, breathe. And, you know, yes, you're stuck at home, but you don't, you're not really in home. You can go out to your yard. You can get the fresh air. Um, you know, you don't need to stay indoors. You just can't be driving around everywhere, especially mm-hmm. in the early days. Well, you know, Teresa, I'd like to get your thoughts on, on looking forward here. You know, one of the things that's been very obvious is, is people, you know, uh, uh, with the um, uh, Broadway vaccinations, uh, uh, the uh, number of, um, of um, inf- infections or the rates are, are dropping. They're particularly low in Guam. They're not that quite that low in parts of the, uh, parts of the mainland. And then we also do have the threat of variants, but it's gotten people to think uh, past uh, the COVID-19 situ- uh, 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 situation we're in, uh, no, recognizing that we're not quite out of the woods yet, but it's got people to think about um, what the, uh, what, what, what will a sort of return, the, the, the happy phrase is return to normalcy, except that I don't think there's any return to normalcy in, in 2018. Uh, it, there's too much of uh, has changed, some of which you've sort of outlined in terms of the technological um, uh, uh, things that are being do, done to in order to, uh, that would be done for COVID-19, but we're going to be kept because actually they're, they're pretty effective and pretty efficient way of delivering services, so things like telehealth. And uh, yes. other things to automate. Uh, you and I have, have talked on, about a number of projects. The uh, bureau is working with the Guam Behavioral Center to to automate certain functions here, so the, your professional staff uh, can be right. spelled. The uh, uh, being used their valuable time for things like following up in appointments, and it can be used to actually provide uh, yep. direct uh, You know, the project that we're we're working on with your yes. department is is yes. the SMS. And, and when I we, mean, when the, when you we know, have the wouldn't it be nice that you get a reminder on text? that yes. your appointment is tomorrow at 10 a.m. Duh, you know, and uh, just, uh, and, um, and, but also, uh, I, just to take a look at the sort of landscape here, you know, one of the, uh, we live in an era where, uh, fortunately, there's been increased awareness, uh, not just over the last year or so, but about, about the importance of mental health and how comprehensive health care has to include mental health. 
and uh, and and the services accordingly here. So, but given the the uh, impact of COVID nineteen on mental health vectors for all range of things from uh, depression through substance abuse here, you know, one one thing that I found in reading the literature here is that mental illness may soon be the most common pre-existing condition out there. Yes, and, um, and I, unfortunately, I, yes, you're absolutely right, Ty. Yeah. Um, I think you know, public health, uh, the governor's office, they've been doing a great job in getting, you know, um, holding the virus back, making sure that uh, we do uh, our best to get as many people vaccinated um, we are the one of the leaders on how to roll out a vaccination plan uh, in the nation. Um, and uh, but I'll tell you what's going to be lingering. Mm-hmm. So let's let's move forward. Let's think ahead. Let's say that we get herd immunity. Uh, the effects, the mental health uh, effects of COVID, is. You know, if you were, it's going to be around for a long time. People are going to be treated for a while because of the of the anxieties that they realized they had and or just began during COVID. So are aggravated by the circumstances. Of the COVID absolutely. Crisis. So, so as 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 the health as the, as the public health work um, uh, dwindles down. And, and this is something that I've talked to my staff about, is we're just starting to rev up. Mm. Because all these people are going to work. It's, it's the post-COVID uh, pandemic, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so, so as public health gets all the shots in the arm, and let's say we get you know, herd immunity, what will continue and lingering effects of COVID is services needed to address those mental health conditions that were either brought upon or exaggerated by COVID. Mm-hmm. Or a- not exaggerated, aggravated by COVID. Is, and, uh, yes, yeah. aggravated. Um, well, so we, we sort of touched on some of your strategies you've initiated in order to deal with this rising uh, uh, rising demand. One is the use of uh, technology, including uh, uh, telehealth in order to maximize the effectiveness of the of the uh, of the professional staff you have. You've uh, you've touched on your own efforts on um, on recruiting um, uh, more professional staff from off island. And and by the way, the um, I'm very sort of very familiar with the experience you're having. People want to c- come over a slower pace or the sun. I think the phrase uh, is called uh, um, uh, uh, it's either career adventuring or adventuring career. It's uh, we, I, particularly in um, when I was a GMH and recruiting for um, uh, for locum tenens and other it's temporary uh, staff for the emergency room. You know, you would you would uh, you would uh, hit the gold mining when you started recruiting the surfers, so who wanted to come out to go on for a few weeks to fill in the in the uh, few e- uh, ER shifts here because they they could surf out here. So that's um, that's a sort of the impact, and I can imagine considering the stresses given to healthcare systems across the country. Uh, fortunately. Oh, no, no. Juan is actually, you know, the people who choose to be in this field, they want to continue helping, but they themselves are burnt out. So they're looking at Guam as smaller population, uh, Paradise Island. If they're going to work, they'd rather work in a less stressful environment. 
And, and so, and, no matter and, how big our caseload is at Guam Behavioral Health, it's nothing compared to the inner city hospital and, that everyone's trying to escape from. And, and thank God we, we never hear the, the sort of crisis stories you've heard out of the Southwest and out of New York City, where uh, ERs are overwhelmed, where ICUs are overwhelmed, and, um, and uh, they've, had to, they've had to, like, uh, almost ration care because of the deluge at, uh, at one time. And, and that is, um, and we've, we're fortunate in that respect because I, I have to say this, uh, Therese, because we, we had a governor who had an understanding of the clinician of the, of the, uh, the problems involved here and was the determination to make the hard calls, regardless how yeah. politically unpopular they were. And uh, she's sort of steered us way through to the where we're at now, uh, where we can we can seriously talk about um, uh, about literacy restrictions, seriously talk about opening up for tourism. But you know there are a number of issues with that, particularly with the uh, with the data with the clusters, and uh, and also the other equation is is whether uh, foreign countries are willing to send us tourists. Um, that being the said, here we're in a far better situation than. Uh, got a number of places across the country here that yes. that are uh, at least well, before, you know, one of the, the things that's hit, very so. clear. Um, um, our our hospital survived where other hospitals with greater bigger budgets right. collapsed. Yes, and uh, and so that's very telling about temperament and the approach on how our governor rolled out plan in the beginning if it was not tempered we could have crashed mm -hmm. and our healthcare system would have crashed as well yeah, yeah. and so this is about approaching and, and making hard decisions like you mentioned that would that would be the best for the greater number of folks in our island knowing that GMH is our only hospital public hospital and so you know um you know it's i i i believe there is not a it's not a coincidence that a er nurse a critical nurse like our governor is in charge today mm -hmm. not i mean there's divine intervention happening here i don't and people can challenge me on that but hey you know um what better person to lead the charge and lead to address this than somebody in the healthcare system herself? Yeah, call it either coincidence so. or fate. It certainly was fortuitous, you know. And I, I remember those early days in uh, in uh, uh, last year when you you had uh, uh, you had projections for dramatic numbers of particularly warming the acute care facility, and there and some of the solutions being should that happen. Uh, some of the solutions being examined weren't just uh, National Guard tents in the parking lot of GMH. I mean, one proposal was to bring in an actual hospital barge from Singapore. Mm -hmm. You know, it was almost a fully equipped hospital. And then you had the problem of finding the how to staff it. But when you're looking for stark numbers, particularly a geographically isolated community, it's not so we can ship them over to, to the next county or something. Uh, those are sort of the hard... Uh, uh, choices. Yes, that we're isolated. Yeah. We're an isolated island. We can't just go to the next state and get help. And by the way, a hospital barge that you would lease was not going to be cheap. The numbers for that one was was hugely expensive. But you know, as opposed to, um, you can only put so many patients in a tent in the parking lot. You know, there at some point. Yeah, uh, and I know a lot of people in the beginning were like, "Wow, so dramatic, right?" But let me tell you, that's what strategic planning is all about. Mm -hmm. 
what is the worst case scenario and work backwards so it never happens. Yeah, so at least you're prepared for it. As, um, Absolutely, as well. because wouldn't it be awful if we didn't think of the worst case scenario and then we were faced with it and then we're scrambling? You, you know, it's not so if you No, can I'd rather be over prepared than under prepared, that's for sure. You know, it's not as you can medevac every patient, you know, you, you, you can handle locally here. I mean, at some point the airlines will say, you know, and the airlines were. We'll say you know they're not going to take them, and places the the other side aren't uh, aren't going to take them. Even the even the um, uh, even if the airlines did take them, at, at a, when, when you get to huge large numbers, then issues of practicality sort of intrude in this one. Uh, that's why it was it was one of the options being examined was to actually bring a hospital here, you know, rather than uh, ship people off island because uh, not only are the medical issues here. And why are we shipping people here. off to? Well, Those you know, are, you know, I mean, if you think about right. it. Where would they go? Because those hospitals are inundated with their folks. Right. And so, you know... The, it, so we needed, everybody needed to figure out a plan, a worst care scenario. How do I take care of my people if I cannot, if nobody can go off-island for medical help? Because guess what? They're dealing with COVID, too. And their hospitals are inundated. You know, uh, and a good part of the credit for this has to go to our people as well to uh, go along with these things. I mean, there were. Some, oh yeah. There were. There I mean, were, we're 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 blessed. We're very. You know. I, you know, there, there were there were there of course protests, particularly uh, as affects people's businesses, and there and there were certain like, people. You know, for with, the most part, but, our know, people, our people are smart, and they knew. You no, know, we haven't had. No, that nothing many, is more important than your health. We haven't had those uh, instances of um, of people protesting over wearing a face mask. You know, uh, not not to the degree we've seen like on the national media. I mean, there's one or two there, but one pretty of the much things people, I, people I went along because they, on last year and talking to national and having national meetings that you know with my colleagues in the Region Nine area, I just said. With all due respect, thank goodness our folks understand that masking is it's not a, you know, we're not taking their freedom away <laughs> because they, they believe because in science. The things that they had to convince people of in the state just to wear a mask was like, you know, while they're doing that, you know, hundreds or thousands of more people got infected. Yeah. Just because they're talking and fighting about their rights. And they're still doing this, you know. I'm just, gee, yeah. you know. And and, 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 why? and I respect people's rights. Yeah. But, but not if you're going to make me sick. That's yeah. my right to stay healthy. Or if you're going to get so terribly angry out of your latest entertainment on Instagram, you know. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I, here's my observation. I, I made this observation. One reason why you had that degree of support from our, our local people on this one is our own experience with natural disasters, particularly yeah. typhoons. And, and, and dealing and, with super typhoons, but, we know how to get it together. Well, here's the deal here, Therese. We, we, we instinctively um, uh, know that when a storm comes, we know to hunker down. We know what it, to do. We know what to hunker Unfortunate down. Unfortunately, so, COVID is a, is, a, is a super typhoon, probably 10 categories. Yeah, and so, but when, it's not when, lasting just two days, when lock, lasting when, over right, a year. But when lockdowns and restrictions on. on, on uh, and, uh, uh, travel but I think done you're here right, for, for the most part. You're, you're absolutely right. You know, and why? Why did we know what to do instantly? Because we are accustomed to bunkering down in natural disasters. Yeah, and and, and, there, and there's there's it's it comes in certain degrees here. There, for example, the early uh, restrictions on 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 travel. There was some degree of resistance, but it was because people were confronted with the practicalities of. Uh, 
of life here. And uh, home delivery stuff was not, you know, uh, where it was. And so, uh, but, 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 um, but, uh, and, and things were made to uh, sort of accommodate it. But, you know, um, and, and, and to be fair, uh, people took a while to, uh, they weren't just going to cooperate, but they sort of had to learn it. I remember one of the scary things is, is um, people taking their ki- kids to shop at Payless. Why in God's name are you taking your kids with you? You know, uh, you, to, uh, you know and, and understood you have to go to, you have to go to the store to buy, to buy groceries. But why do you have to take kids with you to a crowded area? You know, but, but I, and, and then as time went on, there was less and less of that happening. Uh, yeah, so I, I yeah it's it. just behavior change, you know, yeah, but also, that's what it is. People under- just needed to think about, okay, you know, um, we don't bring everybody in tow. But, we, but, you know, but, one person only, not everybody needs to go shopping. Yeah, but you you understand. I, I I some of that is not also people learning, but but pe- how they engage with the community here, and they could see yes. everybody else is working yes, working their way through this, and taking this through. We and, are social people. Yeah, and and they make their own uh, uh, choices. They they understand that if you you go outside to the ranch and no one's around, no, you don't have to wear your mask. You know, even though uh, some of the prescriptions are wear your mask uh, uh, everywhere. But so they work this through as a as a practical level here. And, and supportive of um, of uh, of the effort because they 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 instinctively we know to hunker down during a storm and we know to cooperate with with, with each other to for recovery. You for know recovery, we we you right. know you, you, we still yeah, yes, complain about the days it I takes. Mean, I'm just grateful. Yeah, I'm grateful. I mean, there are always people, and that's okay. That's what makes us. That's what makes humans interesting. There'll always be people who question it, be the devil's advocate, challenge it. It's okay. But for the most part, we we know how to pull it together and recover. You know, there'll always be people to complain about how long GPA takes to connect the power after a typhoon. You know, but but for the vast majority of people, they're sort of patient. They understand this the, the the challenges involved because they lived through this before and so yes you can criticize them for this but for vast majority of people they're patient and they know how to make do they know if the freezer does not have any part time to barbecue you know and uh and and you have that system of people helping out uh, each other uh throughout the family well listen therese we're now at the mark where we have less than five minutes left in the program and as i wow. repeatedly announce at, at this point here this is where I give the mic to my guests because I talk too much. So this is your chance, Therese, to impart any last-minute comments or thoughts or information you want to give our listening audience before we uh, uh, have to hit a hard break for the uh, 8 o'clock CBS Radio News. So, Therese, the mic is Thank yours. You. Thank you, Tyrone, for having me. Um, uh, again, uh, to your listening audience, Guam Behavioral Health and Wellness Center is your state mental health and substance use agency. We are here to serve. We are, uh, that's what we are paid to do, and that's what we are here to do, to serve the people of Guam through the ups and downs of their difficulties in life, their challenges in life. So there is one message that I would like to get across to everybody, is that you don't need to suffer, and you don't need to handle with the ups and downs of life alone. If you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling that, um, you know, you need to talk to somebody. If it's, or, or you're feeling something new, like why am I feeling so anxious and I've never felt this way before? You know, please go get help. We never have a question, we never question going into the doctor 
if we break an arm or we have a cold, you should never question um, when you're not feeling um, emotionally stable whether or not you should get services. And the answer is you should. You really should so that we can we can identify the, your, your treatment and, and it won't, you know, become a, a worse, a worse um, uh, situation. So Guam Behavioral Health is here. If there's anything, please remember our crisis hotline. It's a conduit to services, especially in light of COVID. Um, we are open 24-7 and you can always walk up, but because it's always best to call our crisis hotline, and we have a warm professional clinician waiting to talk to you and help you through the difficulties and challenges of life. And that crisis hotline number is 647-8833, 647-8833. And I can't wait till next year when we convert to the three-digit 988. That's all I have to say. <laughs> so, again, for now, call Guam Behavioral Health Wellness Center Crisis Hotline at 647 8833 if you need to somebody to talk to and you need to reach out and get help you're not in this alone we're here to help you and that's what we're here to do thank you Teresa Ariella head of the Guam Behavior and Wellness Center uh, have a uh, continually successful uh, mental health awareness month Teresa and we'll, thank we'll catch you, up Tyrone, later and okay. thank you everybody please stay safe and remember your mental health is just as important as your physical health these days this is the Data Hub with Tyron Titano. I'm Tyron Titano, Director of the Bureau of Statistics and Plans. A podcast of tonight's proceedings will be posted on k57.com later this evening. And a link to it would be on the Bureau's of Statistics and Plans three social media pages on Facebook, one for the Bureau itself, one for the Coral Reef Initiative, and one for the Guam Coastal Management Program. Uh, thank you all for joining us uh, this evening. And now, as we head up to the CBS Radio News at the top of the hour. Thanks a lot. See you guys next Tuesday.